Roll sound, Scotty. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Stinking Paul's podcast with Scott and with Paul. Good afternoon, mate. Afternoon. How are you doing? Very well. Straight to the point with this intro today. <laughs> it's another another Skype episode for the pair of us because of the obvious situation of what's going on. Another lockdown special. Another lockdown special, yeah. How many more of these can we do? You're not getting bored of this old talking over Skype thing yet, are you? No, no. It's, it's, it's nice to, even if it's your face, to see your face. <laughs> I mean, even if it's only your face. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit of, bit of contact with the outside world. It's, it's very bizarre. We've, we've said this on numerous occasions over the past couple of weeks. So, one thing the listener may have noticed is that our episodes are probably going to go out weekly or fortnightly now, rather than every three weeks, every four weeks, because we've recorded four in quick succession. Yeah, yeah, um, and you've recorded some with... Stephen, and got one with Anthony coming up as a guest. It might have already gone out by now. Who knows what order these are going to go out in. <laughs> but, everybody, but everybody's in the same situation. All the podcasters are like... Well, look, we'll just do it all over Skype, you know, and and people are skyping more. Whereas, like, I would record with with Stephen every Sunday morning for the Real Britannia. I've also had Tony record two episodes last weekend on on Good Friday and Easter Sunday because he was just indoors, and it's like, yeah, I'll do that today. Well, it, it takes away the monotony of. Uh staring out of my window, looking down at lovely Chatham. But there's nothing happening there. Normally there'd be a few, you know, car fires or, you know, fist fights going on outside the pub, but it's dead. I mean, it is, what, 20 past six on a Thursday evening. Yeah. And I can see three cars on a bus. (laughs) The roads are empty. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Normally we'd record at your flat. And the thing we notice the most would be the noise of the traffic. Yeah, I have got the window shut because obviously trying to improve the sound quality slightly. But yeah, it is very quiet there. Yeah. I've noticed the last few weeks the amount of emergency vehicles and sirens going past has yeah. decreased rapidly. Mm-hmm. And just traffic noise in general, been having trouble sleeping. Because <laughs> it's too quiet. <laughs> It looks like it's going to go on for a little while longer. So hopefully, you know, that the Skype connection and the quality is not too off-putting for the listeners. Please bear with us. I'm sure you all fully understand that this situation has, has demanded this this action, unfortunately. But, hey, let's just keep doing it. Dolby surround sounds very soon. <laughs> You'll be sitting here next to me getting smashed, mate. <laughs> We will be having a celebration. We will certainly be doing that when when all this is all over. It's my choice for you today. I think this is one you're looking forward to. We're going back to 1980. We're going to do The Blues Brothers. Mm. I think you like this movie. I'm I'm, I'm sort of reading here between the lines. 
this is when you chose it my reaction was what it was Mm. because i have been wanting to bring this to the table for a few years but i i it's such a big film to me personally that I, i wanted to give it justice okay that's fine that's absolutely fine i'm gonna leave this entire episode up to you because i've made no notes for this whatsoever (laughs) as with american graffiti i think there's going to be a lot of discussion about the soundtrack with this one as well yeah i think so Uh, amongst other things let's play the trailer we'll be back straight after this trailer 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 better get bright pal we got a show to do then we got to figure out some way to collect that gate money get it to the cook county assessor's office as soon as they open in the morning joliet jake and elwood blues two men with a mission and only 11 days Don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Our Lady of Blessed Acceleration, don't fail me now. Me and the Lord, you got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Lots of space in this mall. Not in it. Think. Mind will let yourself be free. Walking around every day playing games and taking scores. Kind of man, other people losing mind. Well, I'll be careful you don't lose yours. Yeah, How are you going to raise $5,000 in 11 days without ripping off somebody? Dance to jailhouse rock. Dance to jailhouse rock. Dance to jailhouse rock. I remain celibate for you. My heart's calculating, my true love will be waiting. My estimations are correct. We should be very close to the Honorable Richard J. Daly Plaza. That's where they got that Picasso. Yep. Two guys come in here, black suits, black hats, one carrying a briefcase? Yeah, I just sent them down there. Thank you. John Belushi. You, how much for your wife? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. After the gig, uh, maybe we could, like, uh, hang out together. James Brown. I heard the sound in my car. Cab Calloway. Ray Charles. You you know depreciation, man. Carrie Fisher. I must now kill you and your brother. Aretha Franklin. You're living with me now, and you're not going to go sliding around with your old white woman friends. Henry Gibson. He better pray the police get to him before we do. And the Blues Brothers Band. Let's go, boys. The Blues Brothers. Are you the police? No, ma'am. 
more musicians. The Blues Brothers, released in the USA, 20th of June 1980, directed by John Landis, starring Dan Aykroyd. Carrie Fisher is in there. She is. Um, And a whole host of musical stars that we will get to, possibly one by one in a second. The synopsis. After his release, Jake, John Belushi, reunites with his brother Elwood, Dan Aykroyd, collectively known as the Blues Brothers. Jake's first task is to save the orphanage the brothers grew up in from closing by raising $5,000 to pay back taxes. The two are convinced that they can earn the money by getting their old band back together. However, after playing several gigs and making a few enemies, including the police, the brothers face daunting odds and deliver the money on time. Oh, I've just given it all away. Right. Big, big movie for me growing up as a teenager. Oh, yeah. Sure, it's the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um I think I probably saw this a couple of years after it first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been on, would have been on VHS. Yep. And I, I think the music just captured me to start with. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was all so uplifting music, and it was a very funny film. Um, I, I believe. I've seen this film 20 or 30 times. Yeah. Um, if not more. I was trying to think when I was watching this the other night. Back then, we didn't really have any sort of concept of Saturday Night Live. So no. we didn't no. know the Blues Brothers as a thing. We just knew this movie. Mm. And I think it was probably going to be the first thing that we'd ever seen John Belushi in, apart from Animal House, which was a year before, two years before, possibly. Yeah. Certainly the first uh, Dan Aykroyd movie we'd have been aware of. Yeah, I definitely saw Animal House when I was young. I couldn't tell you if I saw it before this or after it. Mm, yeah. I think it was just totally different for a comedy to have so much music in, or if you want to say a musical, to have so much comedy in. Yeah, yeah. And also be a road movie and an action movie. It was just a combination of so many genres. Definitely. That you just couldn't not like it. And then all the cameo appearances of not just slightly famous people, but I mean, (laughs) mega stars. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't just get, oh, who's famous at the moment? It, It was. People like Aretha Franklin, for Christ's sake. Ray Charles, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you just can't get much bigger. And obviously, in America, from the the fact that they had these characters on Saturday Night Live for quite some time, I think that's how they were able to capture these big stars and get them to perform in it. Oh, yeah, because they probably appeared on Saturday Night Live as musical guests anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy just how many cameos there are in there. Yeah. I mean, for me, I watched this to death. I was, I was 11 when it came out. Like you, you probably saw it a couple of years afterwards on VHS. Watched it and watched it and watched it again. Got the soundtrack album. And I probably watched this fairly regularly up until I was like early 20s. Yeah. I remember having the soundtrack on vinyl at one point. Yeah, I think I've had it on all formats, mate. <laughs> I've had it on cassette, used to have it in the car. Yeah. Definitely had it on CD. Um, even when I was DJing, mm-hmm. I used to play certain tracks from it. Yep. Well, I didn't watch it for a long, long time, but since my 20s, when I, when I had the pub for a while, I always made sure that when the jukebox was changed, there was always a copy of the album on the jukebox permanently because it was a turn to, you know, there's there's not a a Duff track on that soundtrack album at all. So that was always, you know, constantly there. The the, the music was there even if the movie wasn't. And to be honest, mate, when I watched it Night Before Last, I don't think I've seen it in over 20 years. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I I don't think it's been that long, but I think it's a good five years plus since I've seen it. Yeah, because I 
I didn't remember the start as being quite so slow. Before it even hits a musical number or anything, yeah? yeah? Once it starts to hit the musical numbers, the, the film takes off. Yeah. But the first probably 20 minutes, half hour, and, I mean, you need that 20 minutes, half hour to set the scene that they're on the mission from God and... And sort to of get to know get the characters a bit for us as as, yeah. as Brits that had never seen these characters before as well, we needed to know a little bit about them. I'm going to put something to you. Go on, mate. The, the characters, the, the Blues Brothers themselves, Jake and Elwood, mm-hmm. there's certain points, especially within that first 20 minutes, half hour, it's Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> um. Just their interaction, not necessarily what they're saying, yeah. but a lot of their interaction with each other in the Penguin's office and um, when they get the first time they get blown up and it's just dusting each other off. And yeah, that's very, yeah. Mm. It's very, very Laurel and Hardy, and I'd never noticed that before. Perfect double act material type thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. both in one, short, fat one. <laughs> But there's no conflict between them like you would get between Lauren Hardy because they're brothers. Um, they're very forgiving of each other. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas, you know, Stan and Ollie would wind each other up. These these didn't to a certain degree. Watching it this time, in my mind, what I had memories of was a, a great movie that I watched as a teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we was talking about Carrie in the last episode, this has elevated up another notch. Oh, thank Christ for that. I thought you were going to say you didn't like it. <laughs> I was about no, no, to disconnect no. you. No, this has actually elevated it up to another level for me. And the fact that I was watching it and thinking, this is very clever. It was, this- yeah. The, the I wouldn't say the acting is... Superb by particularly. Oh, hang on, just waiting for. I've pulled the one card to go past or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't say the acting's in it is great. Mm. I mean, there's certain points I've picked up on the fact that there was some quite poor acting, yeah. but the it's a very clever writing. Um, just the whole thing, the whole concept of it, like you said, the fact that there's these cameos, there's these great musical performances. And even this time round, where I was watching the musical performances before, I'm thinking, oh, that's great, that's Aretha Franklin, you know, oh, there's, there's Ray Charles playing the playing the piano or whatever. Did you notice, like, the choreography and the stuff that was going on during the Aretha Franklin thing with the whole crowd outside? Yeah, yeah, even the little kids, and they're all doing, oh, the, I think it was the, um, uh, Ray Charles, he done Shake Your Tail tail feather didn't he yeah that's when they were dancing outside that's they were all the doing yeah yeah they were doing all, all the mesh potato know, and the dances yeah. Yeah. do the twist and yeah the, yeah and even these little like two three-year-old kids they're all doing all the actions yeah i didn't realize there was such a ensemble of dancers right this time i know it's because of that whole sequence and they're up on the railway bridge dancing and it's this big vast sort of set piece John Landis directed the Thriller video, didn't he? Of course he fucking did. <laughs> Obviously, I know he'd done American Werewolf, but yeah. yeah. Thriller video, yeah. Now look at that. That is the foundations yeah. of the Thriller video, the zombie dance. That's a good spot. Never got yeah. that until this viewing. Never got it. Going back to sort of John Landis, American Werewolf and stuff like that. The guy at the prison that's giving Jake, Elwood Jake, um, all his belongings back. Yes. Frank Oz, yeah? Yeah, who is the voice of Yoda. And also Miss Piggy and um, several other Muppets, was in American Werewolf. He's the embassy guy that visits him in the hospital. And he says, there's no need to take that attitude with me, David. Where is it going? He, t- he turns up at the hospital. But again, this time, I'd, I'd never noticed this before. When the massive car chase goes through the shopping mall, yeah, 
just before the cars go through the toy shop. I know what you're going to say. Go on, the, the guy is holding a Grover Muppet. Uh, yeah, or was it Cookie Monster? Yeah, I, I think it was say. Grover, yeah, and he says, have you got a Miss Piggy? Yeah. Never yeah. spied that before. You know. <laughs> yeah. Some of the, if we go through some of the tiny cameos, like Steven Spielberg's in there. Yes. Um, John Landis himself is in there somewhere, isn't he? I read well? he was somewhere, but I couldn't spot him this time round. Yet, I mean, when you start to go, if if we're not not even touching on the the music part of it yet, but mm. Carrie Fisher's almost a cameo as well, mate. To be honest, yeah, because she's a very bad shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. For those of you idiots that have never seen the film, uh, <laughs> there must be a few. The, there. Mm. The, the main plot of the mission of God and them trying to get the band back together, all the way through, every like twenty minutes, half hour or so, Carrie Fisher appears and tries to kill them. And the, the weapons uh, get progressively more yeah. and more deadly. Yeah. First off, was just a bomb, wasn't it, in the flat? Then it was rocket launcher. <laughs> A homemade rocket launcher, by the looks of it, with like six huge, shots. Yeah, huge, it? great thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then machine guns, and yeah, yeah she really couldn't hit a cow in the ass. Was... <laughs> and hardly says a word throughout the whole movie. Yeah, right at the end in yeah. the tunnel, she says the most. And this is the same but, year as Empire Strikes Back, nineteen eighty. That Carrie Fisher was dating Dan Aykroyd at the time. That was the reason. I knew there was some connection somewhere along the line. Right. Okay, that explains it. But there's one I didn't know was in there. Um, Shaka Khan. Was she a dancer or a background singer or something? She was um, a choir soloist in the church when James Brown was in there. I'm going to have to go back and look again then because, yeah, I think I'd heard that somewhere Uh, but never realised yet. Don't know. I don't know what your musical tastes were back then, but um, Joe Walsh. Yeah, Joe Walsh uh, did. Um, the Eagles. Yeah, and yeah. Various other groups. He was right at the jailhouse rock scene. Yeah. He was the prison inmate that first got on the table and started to dance. That's Joe Walsh because he did, uh, what was his solo when Life's Been Good? Was his solo? Yeah, yeah. Good to me yeah, yeah. yeah. So Joe yeah. Walsh was in it as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I think we've got a go on. You've been you've been itching just to rattle these music things off. Come on, it starts so off James, the, the first one is James Brown, isn't James, it? James Brown as the Reverend, which sort of suited him yeah, really. Yeah, I find it difficult to say this, but I didn't realize James Brown was so black. I mean, <laughs> he is really, really dark black in this. Is film. he? I didn't, didn't know. Yeah, all I was looking at was the hair. Oh God. The, is that real? Yeah, is that's, that real. That's, that's real. And do you know what? This is the first time I've seen this movie since I did my Rainbow Valley podcast. Oh, yeah. Tammy Terrell. Yeah. yeah, I've lost a lot of... <laughs> Respect for that, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to hear what a complete and utter bastard James Brown was, uh, go to our sister podcast, Rainbow Valley, and we did an episode on Tammy Terrell, who was dating James Brown for a brief time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yes, that's, yeah, you can't get a bigger name than that to open up your musical numbers, pretty much, James Brown. Yeah, but then it just gets progressively better and better. (laughs) Cab Calloway, who was uh, Curtis, who sang Minnie the Moocher, who's just old school, isn't he? I mean, he's... Fantastic coup, though, isn't it, to get Cab Calloway there, yeah. Back in the era of jazz, and that would have been... um, Sort of Harlem. That's it, Cotton Club and all that sort of Cotton stuff. Club, yeah. yeah. Um, then Ray Charles, <laughs> who I, I do like the fact that he was able to take the piss out of himself as well. There was a few little blind oh, jokes the, the, in there. He shoots the kid or tries to shoot the kid. But yeah. then doesn't he put the poster upside down when he puts the poster yeah, back on the wall? <laughs> well, uh, and when he tries to sell him that piano and he goes, yeah, it's two thousand dollars or whatever, and I'll I'll throw the black keys in for nothing. 
Uh, and then you got Aretha Franklin yeah. as Matt Murphy's wife. Yes. Um, Matt Murphy being played by Matt Murphy. Funny enough. Yeah. Who is an incredible guitarist, incredible blues guitarist. Mm. Worked with everyone, but done very little work himself. Like, yeah. Otherwise. Um, so you've got Steve the Colonel Cropper, who was a guitarist, Donald Duck Dunn. These are all... Genuine musicians, aren't they? Yeah. Genuine musicians that have worked with the creme de la creme mm. of any artist in the 60s and 70s. Um, obviously, we said about Carrie Fisher. Um, Henry Gibson as the head Nazi. I'd, I'd forgotten that whole Nazi subplot. <laughs> I love it. And do you know what that, I thought of when, when I saw this? And I'm thinking, oh, God, yeah, it all came back to me. Do you remember, you will remember these, the, the two Clint Eastwood movies, Every Which Way But Loose, Any Which Way You Can? Yeah. And, and, and yep. then, yeah, and then they get he gets chased by the, the Black Widows, doesn't he? You know, he upsets them yes. and they end up... For, yep. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a similar sort of plot line there, you know, but he's got the Nazis chasing him this time around. Uh, I think it's just... A, a brilliant sort of, along with a Carrie Fisher role, it's another sideline. They've upset someone else. Yeah. It's someone else trying to kill them. And they're not a major part, but the film wouldn't be the same without them. Yeah. It, well, it all just adds to the the sort of escalation of their situation. You know, it starts off with them just trying to get the band together, get a bit of money together, but they're upsetting more and more people along the way. So the car chases are getting more and more spectacular. More yeah. and more involved. Um, John Candy. Forgot he was in it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that must have been one of his earliest ones. Yeah, I think he might have been in Stripes before that, possibly. No, I think Stripes was later. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure Stripes was either... Oh, no, this is 80, isn't yeah. it? No, Stripes is around about the same time. Might be 79, 81, something like that. Yeah, because Splash wasn't till 82, 83 at the latest. Was he in that? He's Tom Hanks' brother. <laughs> I haven't seen that film in many, many years. Yeah, he's Tom Hanks' brother. Strikes was 81. Okay, so about the same sort of time. Okay, yeah. yeah. So after John Caddy, it was John LeHooker. John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker, these French cousins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, that song, I love Boom Boom. It's a great tune. If, if you're going to get John Lee Hooker in your movie, there's only one song he can sing, surely. It's got to be, hasn't it? You, you don't waste that opportunity. No, they, they use that as the theme tune for NCIS New Orleans. Oh, one of your favourites, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I... I didn't realise I loved blues and that so much until I think it was like mid eighties, early nineties. I just happened to pick up a R and B classics, yeah. whatever. And it isn't what they call R and B now. No, it proper was, R&B, yeah. Yeah. It was John Lee Hooker, it was Muddy Waters, uh, it was just King, all, that. all that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just fantastic. right. I think, oh, just one other honourable mention I want to say that when we brought this up a couple of weeks ago, you didn't believe it was in there. Oh, God, yeah. But Twiggy's in it. <laughs> I've forgot that completely. And you had me doubting myself, and I'm pretty sure she's in it. Yeah. And I had to look it up. But, yes, she is as the chic lady who flirts with Elwood at the petrol station. But even up to the point gets- she turned up, I'm thinking... Right, I'm looking out for Twiggy because Paul's convinced me she's in this. And I can't remember when she's going to turn up, what she's going to do. Forgot all about her completely. I've got another one for you after that, though. But Twiggy, yeah, definitely. Go on, then. Who have you got? The good old boys, the band. Yeah. The lead singer, Charles Napier. Yeah. He is the police sergeant in Silence of the Lambs that has his face ripped off. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Sergeant nice. Pen Penry or someone like that. I'm ready for you now, Sergeant Penry or something. And yeah, and he ends up ripping his face off in the elevator. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Never got that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, music wise, you know, and then it then becomes the Blues Brothers band. Yeah. I mean, you, you look quick, as we just mentioned, all the music people, the, the, the actual album. So you've got She Caught That Katie, which was background music, really, wasn't it? It wasn't actually. It's the bit where it's been released from the prison. Yeah. It's the opening, yeah. it's the opening track, and it is actually the Blues Brothers performing that, isn't it? it is the, yeah. 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 Then you've got Peter Gunn theme. Which is played a couple of times throughout when the car's yeah. driving about, yep. And I remember being a child of the eighties. Remember, Art of Noise done that. They as well. did do a version of that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Give me some loving, which yep. was originally a sixties hit for Stevie Winwood, wasn't it? Traffic or not Traffic? Um, what was Stevie? What was Stevie Winwood's band? Something. Oh, don't know. I'll come back to that. <laughs> um, shake your tail feather. Yep. Uh, everybody needs somebody's love, and that was probably the biggest commercial hit for me. I remember that being played at more parties and discos yeah. But do you remember, whatever. like when when the hits came out? It's yeah. three or four years after this. It wasn't until the mid eighties that oh, yeah, that, was yeah, that, because was, that hit the chart. But you wouldn't go to a house party, a party in a hall, or anywhere without hearing two or three Blues Brothers songs coming on. Me and my best man danced to Everybody Needs Somebody to Love at my wedding. That was that was, <laughs> that, that was our dance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's got one on here called The Old Landmark by James Brown. Is that the song That's he sings the, in, the, um, in the, the church? church one, the yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, think, obviously. Yeah. Aretha. Theme from Rawhide. Probably. Which, that's the bit I always remember. That's me turn to, like, scene. Get him up. But get watching up. this this time round, there was so many other scenes that are equally as funny or memorable, but that was always the bit I remembered. We have both kinds of music here, country and western. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and when he gave him that list of songs and he looked at me and went, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they, 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 what was it? They they drunk three hundred dollars worth of booze, but they were only getting paid yeah, for like two hundred dollars. <laughs> it's the fact I see. I remembered it slightly differently, but I knew they played Rawhide, and I thought they just played that on repeat. Oh right, no, they ended up playing but, "Stand by Your Man." Stand <laughs> by Your Man, yeah. yeah. Tammy Winnett song. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like Christ, and all the like big truckers and big cowboys are starting to cry. <laughs> Uh, Mini the Moocher Cab Calloway perfect brilliant done that at karaoke yeah. a fair few times mate really yes oh, even a yes it gets everybody every time because <laughs> they all start singing along with you and when you get yeah. to the that bit they're all like oh <laughs> uh, Sweet Home Chicago which that I always used to put on the jukebox in the pub because yeah. it was like so long you get your money's worth yeah out. <laughs> And Jailhouse Rock, or their version of. Yeah, which is on the end credits, isn't it? And everybody joins in, yeah. So it only had 11 tracks on it, but... Was there more, though, in the in the movie, compared to that soundtrack album? I'm trying to think I if there was any other songs. I don't think there was, was there? No, I don't think so. Seems I like mean, there's a lot more music in the movie. I think what it is, is most of the songs that they play in there, they do in full in the movie. That's true. They're not in the background. We've said this before. When we look at a soundtrack album like American Graffiti, which was permanent, just sort of hits, wasn't it, all the way through? But it was being yeah. played on a radio or in the background somewhere. Whereas these are to the forefront a lot of the time, aren't they? They are performances. Yeah, it's yeah, it is the full two, three minutes yeah. on each version. Um, and as you say, Sweet Home Chicago went on and on. <laughs> But it does in the movie as well, doesn't it? Because yeah. they're, they're stalling for time, aren't they, where they're trying to escape. So, uh... I, I'm guessing every one of the listeners has seen this film mm. because it's just it's one of those films you 
got to see. That's a stinking pause movie, mate. This one, this is, you know, this should have been done six, seven years ago when we first started. Yeah. It, if anyone is probably 40 plus, there's no way you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I actually dropped off some shopping to my daughter earlier. Mm. She's only 21. Mm. And I said what I was doing, and she went, oh, I've not seen that. I'm like, oh. But in the same breath, like literally two minutes earlier, I was asking her what she doing in the lockdown she went oh we watched an old movie last night and i'm not okay i'm gonna ask the question i'm not gonna like the answer yeah. what's an old movie yeah she went oh it was from 1986 <laughs> <laughs> see there's me like if you were to pick a movie from 86 i'd say to you that's that's too new you've got to go back we yeah. need something older and than it, that <laughs> it was uh flight of the navigator they watched oh my God. that's another another one that was in there that i never noticed before Pee-wee Herman. Yes. Yeah, just as a very, very tiny part. Wasn't yeah, because wasn't Pee-wee Herman the voice of the navigator? Oh. Was that him? You'd be right. Well, I'm not yeah. sure, but that's just suddenly reminded me Pee-wee Herman was in this as well. You're going to yeah. check for um, it. That check, check that really out for up, us. You know, like, just watched an old movie. Mm. 1986. Was... <laughs> Bloody hell, I'd left school. Yeah, it was the year I left school, yeah. <laughs> so, facts facts about the movie. Yeah, go on. G- give us your trivia and your, your bump, mate. But I, I knew this. This was one of my go-to facts whenever I was trying to explain Police this movie. Police cars. It. it held for 18 years the most cars destroyed in the course of the movie. Right. At 103 I remember you mentioning this before because you do, do yeah. love a little bit of trivia, right? And and the film that eventually beat it mm. was Blues Brothers 2000 <laughs> <laughs> when they done, done 104. Deliberately, I take it. Deliberately. Deliberately. And any of the listeners who haven't seen Blues Brothers 2000, please don't waste your time. I haven't seen it. Don't want to either. It, it is incredibly disheartening and terrible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra currently holds a record at 112 cars destroyed. See, I don't think I've seen it. Wouldn't happen nowadays, would it? No, because it's CGI, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, would not happen. I remember you mentioning this fact many years ago when you first joined the podcast on a guest appearance. or One of your facts that you you know, you know love a bit of trivia. And it stuck with me because I thought you said it was something to do with a number of police cards. But I was watching it the other night and I'm thinking, okay, well, there's there's sort of 10 cars there, there's 12. And I'm watching it mount up and up and up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what? He's right. <laughs> because that final car chase just goes on and on and on, doesn't yeah. it? It's not just the yeah, one in the shopping mall, which I thought was impressive. Yeah, it's the right – because they travel from – it's still in Illinois, but mm. they they travel through the night, don't they? Yeah, uh, down back to Chicago, mm. um, and yeah, joined by the Nazis and uh, all the different police, the police forces and God knows what. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, if you if you wanted to be critical, you could look at it and go, "Wow, oh, these police cars—they wouldn't have leapt in the air. They wouldn't have done this." But that's the whole point of the movie. It is. It is a comedy. It is not taking itself seriously at all. It's meant to be that these cars stupidly crash into things that they shouldn't oh, crash it's, into. It's cartoon-like, it's, mate. Like you said with the Carrie Fisher thing with with rocket launchers and stuff like that. It's like a yeah. um, Wile E. Coyote movie. It is definitely. I, I thought of it as I was watching it the other mm. day. I thought it's cartoon-like but mm. human form. Yeah. It, there's so many little bits in it that are just – meant to be stupid that they're meant to be unbelievable like for instance cab calloway when he opens for the blues brothers at the concert because mm. he's in his blues brothers get up yes and then all of a sudden he's there in white tails and white yeah. trousers and the whole band is there as if it's a 1920s 30s jazz band yeah. Yeah. lots of different things like that yeah it's very fantastical 
in that way, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, it's not a case of you've got to sit here and think, that doesn't make sense. Prime example, the penguin. Yes. Floating in midair, you know, just yeah. and the doors shutting and opening. The, the, on their the doors shutting. <laughs> I, I love the fact when they were together and he went, he said shit or something and it Spoke. slapped him. And, oh, fuck, that hurt. Slapped him again. <laughs> oh, shit, shit. And then just <laughs> puts the ruler between the two of them. <laughs> The fact that he's uh, stuck in the chair as well when he falls down the stairs. It's yeah, absolutely brilliant. Don't know if you've read about the budget for this, but it actually started filming with no particular budget in mind because they knew it was going to be expensive, mm-hmm. but they didn't quite grasp how much. With the hundred plus um, cars, I'm sure it was going to mount up at some point. Yeah, I think the movies, the movie company, thought about. 15 million. The directors and that thought about 20, and it turned out to be about 30 million, wasn't okay. it? Okay, it's quite expensive for 1980, I'll take it. 1980, 30 million. When we go back to our last film we reviewed, which was Carrie, mm. which was made four years previous, which only had 1.8 million. <laughs> <laughs> okay, slight difference. And it made 115 million at the box office. Excellent. Which it's like three and a half times, four times what you... I think anything over the 100 million at that point was, you know, considered a success anyway, wasn't it? But I think Blues Brothers must have made two, three times more than that since then because it's become such a cult classic. That is exactly what it is now. It is because it's so quotable as well. It's not just the music. It is... What is it? What is it? We're wearing sunglasses, you know, we're yeah, 400 exactly. miles from home, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I never remember that quote. No. Uh, we're on a mission from God. That's another one that's yes. gone into popular sort of yeah. parlance, hasn't it? I absolutely loved it this time round. As I say, it just raised it up to another level. You got any more facts? Um, I can probably find you some. <laughs> oh, we, we should really talk about uh, Mr. Belushi. Yeah. Um, who um, was, if those of you who don't know, John uh, Belushi died mid-80s, was it? Mm, Early 80s? Yeah, a couple of years after this, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically due to his lifestyle. Yeah. Um, he was a very, very heavy drug user. In this film, it started filming on time, on schedule, and got gradually further and further put behind yeah. uh, because of his uh, continued usage of cocaine, mm-hmm. uh, mainly, and other drugs. They ended up employing someone to look over <laughs> him yeah. to make sure he wasn't out partying too late and going or and getting there on time for the <laughs> call, calls. Um. At one point, there was thought to be part of the budget in the film was put aside for the purchase of cocaine, <laughs> not just for him but for other people because Carrie Fisher was a user. Yeah. Uh, Dan Aykroyd was a user as well yeah. at the time. But, yes, they uh, they had part of the budget put for away <laughs> for drugs. They built a bar on set, a Blues Brothers bar on set. Yeah. Uh, for all the cast in that, where all the bar staff were also drug dealers oh <laughs> and could God. get them anything they no. wanted. <laughs> That's incredible. Yes. <laughs> Gone are those days. Well, that probably still happens at some some movies. But <laughs> um, John Landis, typical trope from John Landis. We've mentioned this before. See you next Wednesday. Oh. Right. There's a big advertising hoarding for a film that says, see you next Wednesday. It's got King Kong on it or a big monkey or something like that. Yeah. It appears in every single one of his movies. Oh. Right. Because if you look at Trading Places, there's a poster of it on Jamie Lee Curtis's wall. It's the name of the movie in the porno theatre in American Werewolf. 
<laughs> right, it's called See You Next Wednesday. And there's actually a poster for it, I think, on the on the underground where the guy gets killed in the tube. Was it's, he not allowed to see you next tube? Yeah, basically. I think it might <laughs> be a play supposed on that. to be too yeah. rude. Um, in Thriller, the Thriller video, the voiceover yeah. of the movie they're watching at the cinema at the beginning says, See You Next Wednesday. It's his little thing that he puts in every single one of his movies. The um, Bluesmobile that they use. The police car, yeah. Yeah. Mm. There was 13 different cars bought at auction. <laughs> um, and they were all set up slightly differently. So one had suspension for jumping, oh, one had right, suspension yeah, yeah. for speed. Mm-hmm. Um, for the larger car chases, filmmakers purchased 60 police cars, $400 each. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most were destroyed at the end of filming. More than 40 stunt drivers. And they had a 24-hour body shop to repair the cars. <laughs> <laughs> All of this on set. Do you think that scene in the shopping mall, is that a genuine shopping mall? Because that's not done in a massive studio or something, is it? I think it's genuine because you had recognisable to us shops like Toys R Us. But they could have been dressed to look like that. But yeah. I thought, but you see them crashing through like, shop fronts and things like that. Yes, there's. You think how much that cost? Just that one scene. Yeah, it's incredible. This is the things that you know have sort of gone over my head when I've watched it previously. You take for granted. Oh, yeah, it's another car chase. It's not just another car chase. It's one of the best car chases in in movie history. Yeah, there, there'd never been anything like it before. You won't get anything like it now because, as we said, it will be CGI. Yeah. Most of it. This sort of set things up for, like, say, Smokey and the Bandit. Ah, oh, love that. There's oh. another one. <laughs> you know, those sort of – do you remember on Cannonball Run, those sort of movies? Cannibal, yeah, yeah, the, the, the road – comedy road movies. Yeah. Bit of death and destruction along mm. the way. But saying that, Blues Brothers didn't really have any deaths in it, did it? Didn't have any, did it? Oh, I don't think so. Not that sort of movie, is it? It is a comedy, musical no. comedy, yeah. But I say this film, I'm glad, one, you brought it to the table, mm. and two, that on this watch, that you still enjoyed it, Mate, if, if not more than normal. <laughs> it, it would have been, in my rating system, a four-star movie before I'd even gone into it. You know, because I knew yeah. that I loved the movie. Exactly the same thing happened as did with Carrie. That I watched it again after not seeing it for a little while this time. And I spotted a lot more and I appreciated it a lot, lot more than just that movie with the great soundtrack or that movie yeah. with the car chase. It was so clever, it was so funny. And yeah. I finished watching it. I was, I was laughing out loud, which I didn't think I'd do at being so familiar. I th- thought I was so familiar with the film. And I came away from it the other night, and I watched it on the big screen as well, which probably helped because it was the, the best experience I've had of it so far. Yeah. Um, and I came out of that thinking, do you know what? I'll put that on now and watch it again. <laughs> the only You pro- probably skipped the first 20 minutes, half hour. No, I don't think so because I was uh, even the, laughing at the Frank Oz bit where he goes, one prophylactic. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then, and then he goes, one prophylactic. Soiled or everything. Stephen, that was just making me laugh. Or the fact that when he's trying to get his stuff back from the prison officer, there's a line on the floor yeah. that he's so not just, supposed to cross. But it's just that little bit too far away from the window. It is, as as you say, it, it's one of those films that keeps on giving. Yeah, if if I watched it again now, I'd probably, because I know the bits that I find funny, I'd probably pick up on something else that yeah. I haven't You'd look out before. for, say, like you'd look out for Charles Napier this time round and go, yes, that's the guy from Silence of the Lambs, or yeah. some of these little bits that you've brought to me. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to look at that bit now. And I'll quite happily go back to this in – all right, not tomorrow, but six months' time. I'm watching again. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's things like the, the Nazis when when the car is uh, 
falling from the sky. Do, do you know that that car was actually dropped from a helicopter? They had to get special permission from Chicago mayor or something to drop that out of a helicopter about a mile up because they thought the car that they were dropping was, I think they said it was a Fiat Pinto. It must have been a Fiat Pinto estate or something. But they said it was too aerodynamic and might fall in the wrong place. Start or gliding or something. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to convince them of that. Incredible. They shut Chicago City Centre every Sunday morning to do most of this filming over weeks and weeks yeah. and weeks. And a lot of it wasn't even filmed in Chicago, but other places in yeah. Illinois. But saying on your rating, I mean, I this to me is in my top five. It is definitely in my top five of films. Wow. Okay. That's that's big stuff. Okay. Yeah. And you're rating that. You're normally quite mean with your ratings, so I I can't not give this a ten. There's not many movies you give a ten, mate. There's not many. <laughs> it's it's the comedy. It's the music. It's the action. It's just got a bit of everything. Yeah. Not too much of everything either. Yeah. It's it's not going out there to be a musical. It's not going out there to be a laugh a minute comedy, but it's a comedic musical road action film. Mm. <laughs> However you want to put it. It's everything. All think, it needed was a bit of horror, it would have done a lot. <laughs> I think as well what you said about it being a cult movie now. There are there are some cult movies that don't appeal to everybody. They're very niche. Yeah. You're either going to love them or hate them. This one, I think, has got a bit more of a broader appeal. Yeah. Yeah, I could show this. I could get my daughter to watch this. And, yeah, bits of it I, I could see she not liking too much. Yeah. But once it gets into it with the music and the chases and everything, I, I guarantee you she'd love it. Even and though it is so old. So old, yeah. <laughs> so old. <laughs> Ah. If 1986 is an old movie, this is like pure vintage, this one. Probably if it's in colour. (laughs) So five stars from me, 10 out of 10 for you. That's a definite winner, isn't it? Are you glad we've done this? I mean, that's one of your top fives off the the list, mate. You know, it's... I am very, very glad we've done this. Mm. Um, I'm glad you brought it to the table rather than me. Okay. Um, I think in a way that I just didn't want if there was like three or four of us reviewing this i'd have been very apprehensive because it's my little baby i didn't want people we to are not very like it. protective over our movies yeah. mate. they're very personal to us i mean we know your yeah. favorite movie is the untouchables but it's going to be a long time before we review that because you've got to get in the right frame of mind you're frightened yeah. that i'm going to slag it off which i probably won't <laughs> I'm uh, frightened that I'll watch it again and pick holes in it. <laughs> Sean Connery's Irish accent, which I know is a... <laughs> what Irish accent, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's what movies are. It's like music. They are very personal to you. And defend them with all your heart, my friend, no matter what people say. I mean, we all have our own tastes, but, um, yeah, you've got to love this movie. Yeah. It's got to. <laughs> It's not hurting anyone. It's not being offensive. It's it's just fun. I'm going to go through some reviews later and see if there is anybody that doesn't get it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what their thoughts are. I can see people criticising the acting, criticising little things in it. Oh, that's unreal. But that's the way it was written. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's that cartoon element to it, like you said. Yeah, um, yeah. The police car's driving along behind. One crashes, the other one flips over for no apparent reason. It's spinning round and round as the cars yeah. crash into it and the coppers are hanging upside yeah. down, just spinning round all the time, yeah. And that's because they didn't do it to make it look realistic. They'd done it because it was just stupid and yeah. funny. Wily Coyote, mate, on the big screen, basically. Yeah. yeah. Excellent stuff. Let's take a short break. What we're going to do is we're going to put our heads together and... 
come up with a movie each for the next two episodes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> yes, we are. Back after this. <laughs> and now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. So that was the Blues Brothers from 1980. Now, in this period of lockdown, what we're doing at the moment is recording two shows in an evening. So, what we're going to do this time round, mate, we're going to announce the next two, because we sort of put our heads together, but not as it were. You know what you're going to pick, I know what I'm going to pick. What are we going with next time? Well, I'm I'm still trying to constantly surprise you with my choices. (laughs) Yep. Um... So I'm going to go into the 70s again. Okay. 1973 crime drama. Yeah. Because in the last episode, obviously we done Carrie, and mm. um, I really enjoyed Sissy SpaceX's performance. Uh-huh. So it is another one of her films. It's got to be Badlands. It is Badlands. Do you know what? I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it, but it gets 7.8 on IMDb, <laughs> 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that the one with Martin Sheen, isn't it? Yes. It's supposed to be a fantastic film. I mean, it's it's on my bucket list. It's been there for years and years and years. It's just one I've never got round to watching. Y- yes, you have you surprised it. me. Yes. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um... I had four or five lined up, depending on what you were going to come up with. One was from 1973. <laughs> we could do a 1973 double bill. Why not? Let's Good do year. it. Let's do it, because I'm going to save the others. Right. Surprisingly, for 1973, this was filmed in black and white. So okay. instantly, Paul's thinking, ooh, Hello. It stars Ryan O'Neill. Okay. What love story? And love all story that. Ryan O'Neill with his daughter, Tatum O'Neill. Okay, she would have been very young. She's then. about seven or eight in this. It's called Paper Moon. Okay, now basically what the, the premise is, it's set in 1930s Kansas. And obviously the real life father and daughter, they play father and daughter, but they're a con artist team. Travelling oh, okay. around the country, doing cons, but it's also about their relationship and the friction between them, because obviously she's not going to school and he's using her as a, a means of like conning people out of money and stuff. And I haven't seen it for a long time. It's a Peter Bogdanovich movie. I think that might make a nice double bill, actually, with Badlands. Yeah, two completely different movies. This is a black and white comedy. It's uh, a comedy it's drama. A, a yeah. colour... Thriller drama type yeah. thing, yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that Paper, one. Actually. Paper Moon and Badlands. There we go. So we can come up with good movies if we try. Yeah, <laughs> the last two were good. We're doing all right so far. We're on a roll. <laughs> Paul, my friend, let's hope this lockdown doesn't go on much longer. But I'm pretty much assuming that the next one's going to be over Skype as well. Yeah, yeah, very, very likely. Very likely. Take care, mate. I'm going to see you very soon. See you, mate. See you later. The management of this theatre suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down, try.
positive thinking. Well, that's what I told the man. Said, don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking. Laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side. On hope, so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking. Treat every season as spring. No glancing back. Try positive thinking. Trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.